Hello, welcome back to Retirement Clarity Radio. I am your host, Scott Newhouse. I am excited and thankful that you are listening again. I've got a a little bit of a unique podcast on something called asset location, something that I don't see talked about too much. So I'm really excited that you're listening to this uh, particular episode. And let's just jump right into it. Um, so Ben Franklin was right on the money, pun very much intended, when he said that the only guarantees in life are death and taxes. Now, as frustrating as taxes are, and I know there's a lot of folks that just hate paying that tax bill, there is a way to make your taxes a little bit lighter using something called asset location. Now, if you don't know much about asset location, it's probably because it's a little more esoteric and maybe some other financial advisors don't talk about it or really practice it all that much. Um, And instead, they focus on something called asset allocation. Now, while that's very important, a large part of your returns could be wiped away if you don't use asset location effectively. So if you don't want taxes to eat into too much of your hard-earned investments, here's what you need to know about asset location. So what is asset location and why is it important? Um, Asset location is a strategy where you can minimize your lifetime taxes by knowing which investments to put into which type of account. And the three types of accounts we have are taxable accounts, tax-deferred accounts, and tax-free accounts. Now, by just looking at those three options, you might say, Scott, I want all my money in the tax-free accounts. Well, unfortunately, it's not that simple. Um, For starters, every type of account that we have has its advantages, disadvantages, and also restrictions set by the government. So we can't just say, hey, we want it all in that bucket and then just automatically make that happen. Now, uh, the key to maximizing these three different types of accounts depends mainly on your asset allocation, uh, which we talked about before. Now, asset allocation simply means um, what you will be investing your overall portfolio in. So what what investments are going to comprise your overall um, investment allocation? Now, let me give you a little bit about my overall philosophy for asset allocation. I really think you should spread your investments into different types of stocks and bonds inside the U.S., outside the U.S., in large, medium, and small size companies. Because if you can do this, you're going to reduce the vulnerability um, that your portfolio is going to have to market declines, um, especially it's going to lower the, vol- uh, the risk that you're going to take if one country or one sector of the stock market goes down. At the same time, it's going to put yourself in a good spot to make money to get positive returns when we have economic advancements that pass their way onto the capital markets, which we've seen over the last hundred or so years. So needless to say, I think having this kind of asset allocation is really important, especially when you prepare to retire. And frankly, a lot of the folks that I meet with and work with, um, they've got some work to do in terms of their overall asset allocation uh, before they before they retire. So there's changes that they need to make. So that might be the case with you. So that's asset allocation, really important. It's your overall investment strategy for all of the portfolio holdings that you have. But once you establish where you want to invest, once you get that right asset allocation, then you need to decide which investment is going to go where. And again, the three choices we have for asset location are taxable accounts, tax-deferred accounts, and tax-free accounts. 
So while this is not an exact science and was with all things that I talk about on this podcast, it depends on your personal circumstances, your tax returns, um, and all of that uh, you know, personal information, there are some rules of thumb that I think can help you make a wiser decision in regards to your asset location. I'll go through five of them today. So how to make the most of your asset location. Number one is I want you to think about the difference between your ordinary income rate and the capital gains rate. So we all want money in tax advantage accounts because, you know, the government's giving giving us some kind of tax advantage to have money in those accounts. But before you rush to place all of your investments in a tax-free account like a Roth, you need to understand your taxes and how each investment account is taxed. So taxable accounts have no tax advantage, which means that your capital gains and your dividends will be subject um, to taxation on that annual basis if you accrue capital gains or dividends. However, stocks that you hold for over one year uh, fall under the long-term capital gains rate, which could be taxed at 0%, 15%, or 20%, depending on your tax bracket. Now, qualified dividends also fall under this capital gains uh, rate as well. For your tax-deferred accounts, such as as your traditional uh, IRA or your 401k, your earnings and distributions are not taxed on an annual basis, and so that's wonderful. Instead, all of your uh, distributions, when you take it out, are going to be taxed as ordinary income, which, as we know, can be as high as 37%, but it depends on your income, so it might be less than that. Now, your tax-free accounts like your Roth... Um, that's only going to consist of money that you've already paid taxes on. So your returns are not taxed every year, and then your distributions, as long as you follow all the rules, are not going to be taxed as well. So as you can see, the type of account that you use is largely going to be dependent on your income bracket and what you're paying on ordinary income tax rates. So let's use an example. Let's say your ordinary income is in that 22 or 24% tax bracket, and you decide that you want to hold stocks for longer than a year, which is the right choice. So then what you want to consider is it might be more tax efficient for you to actually have stock investments in some kind of taxable account where they can get that long-term capital gains rate of 15% instead of paying um, 22 or 24% on the distributions from your tax-deferred accounts. Um, Because again, when you distribute any money from the tax deferred accounts, that's going to be counted as ordinary income. And so this is my first point. I want you to really just look at what's your ordinary income tax rate and see if there's a difference between that and what your capital gains tax rate would be. Um, Again, that's all dependent on your income, which is why this is so specific. But as you can see in this illustration here, even though the taxable accounts don't have that tax advantage given to, the, to us by the government, you're actually going to pay a lower tax rate on those long-term capital gains that you have than you would on the distributions from uh, a tax-deferred account if your income is high enough. So my point number one on this episode is to look at your ordinary income versus your capital gains income rates and see if you can maneuver and massage that a little bit to pay a little bit less um, depending on your income. Okay, so that's point number one in terms of asset location. Point number two that I have is your tax inefficient investments are usually, usually best in your tax advantage accounts. So tax inefficient investments are things like bonds, uh, real estate investment trust, 
uh, also known as REITs, or actively managed mutual funds. Those are usually best in your tax-advantaged uh, accounts and especially your tax-deferred accounts. Uh, and the reason why that's the case is because those investments are going to provide regular income to you every year just because of the way those investments are structured, which means that if you had them in a taxable account, then you'd be taxed at the ordinary income rates um, for every capital gains, uh, dividend, and kind of distribution that those funds make. So. It's best to have it in a tax-deferred account where you can keep getting income from the dividends and capital gains, and you're not going to have to pay those taxes on that because you're only going to be paying taxes when you withdraw the money. Now, another reason why bonds are so great in tax-deferred accounts is because unlike stocks, they grow, they grow slower, um, and so they're going to grow less, and that's going to result in a lower required minimum distribution once you hit the age of 72. Now, as we know, at the age of 72, the government mandates that you take money, a certain percentage, out of your 401k or your traditional IRA every single year, or you, you face really steep penalties that you don't want to pay. So if you look at your overall overall asset allocation and decide that it's appropriate for you to have bonds, then if you can, I think it would make a lot of sense to have bonds in your tax deferred accounts while um, you don't have to pay you know, annual income, annual capital gains on those bonds since it's in a tax deferred account. Um, and then that's also going to be able to lower your volatility that you experience, which again, makes a lot of sense as long as you looked at your overall asset allocation. Okay, so that's step number two. Tax inefficient investments are usually best in tax advantage accounts. And I really like bonds in your tax deferred accounts. Again, only if you feel like bonds makes sense for your overall asset allocation. Now, step number three, tax efficient in investments are usually best in your taxable accounts. Now, again, there's no absolutes when it comes to asset allocation, but the rule of thumb is that there's a lot of advantages for having a tax efficient investment in your taxable accounts. So investments that are tax efficient typically don't pay dividends. They don't pay, excuse me, they don't distribute capital gains um, and they're considered tax efficient because you're only going to be taxed with that long-term capital gains rate instead of the ordinary income tax rate. Um, and again, you've got to hold on to the investment for over a year for this to be the case. Um, now, besides paying less in taxes, again, uh, if your capital gains is less than your ordinary income rate, which is it, which it is for a lot of people. So, but besides paying less in taxes on these investments, you also won't have to worry about problems with RMDs in taxable accounts um, because RMDs are really only in. Um, those tax deferred accounts and the Roth 401k, but that's a separate issue. Um, but again, there's no, there's no RMDs in the taxable accounts. So again, number three, rule number three that I have here is, ha is to have tax efficient investments in your taxable accounts. Uh, the fourth thing that I have to keep in mind is consider the tax implications for your heirs, your beneficiaries. As great as tax, uh, tax deferred accounts can be for us, they're not so kind to our heirs and beneficiaries uh, because whoever takes over that account when you pass away is going to have to pay ordinary income on um, that account when they distribute the money. On the other hand, at least right now, according to current tax law, taxable accounts will be passed on to your heirs tax-free because of the step up in basis that they're going to receive on that taxable account. Um, a Roth IRA is also tax-free uh, to heirs to some extent. Um, as long as you've had the account open for over five years, then the beneficiary will not pay taxes on it. Um, and then I should also note for the Roth IRA beneficiaries, um, the heir might have to uh, distribute 
the account in a certain period of time, but depending on the relationship that they have to you. And so there's different rules for spouses than there is for non-spouses on that. But there's a little more uh, rules and contingencies with the Roth IRA uh, receiving that um, as an heir than there is on the taxable accounts where there's frankly less restrictions. Uh, but again, in terms of tax implication for your heirs, uh, there's differences in terms of how all three of those are going to be treated to your beneficiary. So you got to look into that and think about what's going to make sense uh, for the people receiving your money when you pass away. Now, my fifth point that I have on asset location, and we're wrapping up here, is to put your high growth, high potential investments in tax-free type accounts. Um, this one's an interesting story I want to share with you all. I'm sure you've all heard of PayPal. You probably use it. Um, it's the payment processing company. It was co-founded by a guy named Peter Thiel uh, back in the late 90s. And I think his story is a great illustration of how to use your Roth IRA. Um, and let me tell you a little bit about what Peter did. So back when PayPal was just getting started, Peter's income was low enough that he was able to contribute to his Roth IRA. And so in 1999, he purchased $1.7 million, uh, excuse me, 1.7 million shares of his startup company, PayPal, uh, for $1,700 total. Um, and since then, uh, PayPal has become enormously successful um, and Peter was able to sell his shares in PayPal. Then he was able to, and th again, this is all in his Roth IRA. Uh, he was able to sell those shares of PayPal. Then uh, he took that Roth IRA money and he used it to invest in other high growth, high potential companies without worrying that his gains would be taxed on an annual basis. And after doing this uh, successfully multiple times, there was a report uh, that I saw a few years ago that Peter had over $5 billion, billion with the B, in his Roth IRA. Um, now, even if you and I are not going to end up with $5 billion in our Roth accounts, I think this story is still helpful um, because it shows us that the Roth IRA is a great spot to hold your investments that you think are most likely to grow, especially over your 30 year time horizon um, because we know that your distributions when following the proper rules are not going to be taxed and we also know that your beneficiaries will not have to pay taxes on it as well again as long as you follow all the proper rules especially that five-year uh, rule that i mentioned above so if you've got something with a lot of growth potential you really should consider having it in that tax-free account as a way to hold that investment so let's wrap up what we talked about today if i were to summarize how asset location works, it would be that the more tax efficient your investment is, the less tax protection it needs. However, this does depend on a few factors such as your current income bracket and if you plan on leaving an inheritance and to who that inheritance is going to go to. So while I have tried to make this look straightforward on paper, I do think asset location is something so important that you should discuss it with your financial advisor because taxes and your personal circumstances do vary so much. Also, please remember your asset allocation, which we talked talked about before how your overall portfolio is is invested that goes hand in hand with asset location which is what do we put in each of the three tax buckets so both of those go hand in hand and both of them need to be a part of your retirement plan if you want to see how all of this fits in together with your overall retirement plan you can just go to startmyretirement.us startmyretirement.us and then you can uh, find a time for us to talk i'll create a free one-page retirement plan for you that'll dis discuss both of these very important topics so that's all i've got for today thank you so much for listening have a great week bye 
Thanks again for listening. As a reminder, you should consult with a financial advisor familiar with the specific circumstances of your unique financial situation before making any financial decisions. Nothing in this podcast is a solicitation for the sale or purchase of any securities. Any mentions of rate of return are hypothetical in nature and not a guarantee of future returns. Scott Newhouse, CFP, is an investment advisor representative of Forthright Finances, a California and Nevada registered investment advisor.